So, uh, since we're uh, talking about this movie uh, today that has a very distinctive song in its trailer, I think it'd be fitting for me to uh, uh, read off an expert of that song. <clears throat> I went up to the moped store, said, fuck it. Salesman, like, what's up? What's your budget? I'm like, honestly, I don't know nothing about mopeds. He said, I got the one for you. Follow me. Ooh, it's too real. Come down. Hold on a minute. This is a Macklemore song, which is fitting since I am Macklemore. And with me, I have Eminem, Vanilla Ice, and Machine Gun Kelly. And this is the White Rapper Podcast. Hello. How are we doing? Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. Hi, I'm Austin Sweebelman. Hi, I'm Ryan Caversi. I'm John Stewart. <laughs> I told you guys this was the best joke I ever had to open up a podcast. And if uh, it wasn't made obvious, which it wasn't, we're talking about Last Night in Soho. The uh, new Edgar Wright movie. Edgar Wright, who is an incredible filmmaker who's made a bunch of absolute bangers. And my fifth favorite movie ever in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's directed a horror movie. I just want very briefly, since I feel like Edgar Wright is maybe the most unique director we've talked about on the podcast so far, I just kind of want to hear what you guys think of him as a director in general. We'll start with Tim. So uh, my my history with Edgar Wright dates back to the uh, year 2007, which was when my family decided to finally get cable. We had access to this brand new channel that had already existed for a long time, but it was due to us. It was called Comedy Central. Every now and then they would air this movie called Shaun of the Dead, which was a Zomcom by one Edgar Wright. I watched that quite a bit on Comedy Central when I was a 14-year-old youngster and enjoyed it a lot. And uh, I had a friend from Bosnia who last year sadly passed away. But uh, around that time, he also uh, got a bootleg DVD of a movie called Hot Fuzz, which was brand new. And so we watched that, um, and I enjoyed that one quite a bit. I, I think those two are really like the standouts for me in his career. I didn't watch Scott Pilgrim until like a couple years ago, and I did enjoy that a lot. I also really like Baby Driver, The World's End. That that one is fine. It doesn't stick out as much as some of the other ones, but it's it's a fun movie. Yeah, overall, his style, he, he definitely has a very distinct like visual comedy style, and uh, he, he's very like music-oriented as well. So I think that he definitely has a very strong signature as a director. So, yeah, that's basically my background uh, on the man. All right. Um, Austin, uh, I have a gun to your head. What do you think of Edgar Wright? Edgar Wright is one of the most underrated directors of his generation, or at least, as far as I can tell, from box office receipts. Uh, since his very first day shooting Shaun of the Dead back in May of 2003, he's been bringing incredible stuff to the screen. All right, guns down. A year later, <laughs> in 2004, Edgar Wright's friend and longtime collaborator Simon Pegg compared his style to magical realism. And, you know, all the background details and coincidences, really astonishing in-camera effects, out-of-this-world plots. I'd go as far as to say, for me, the Cornetto trilogy is comparable to the Godfather trilogy, except the Cornetto trilogy has a good third entry. 
you, Hell yeah. You appreciate the world's end more out a lot after you've had a very, very bad drinking problem. Uh, Hot Fuzz, though, is my favorite of the three for, for, for subjective reasons that are based in film analysis. Like, I first saw it at a really rad sleepover when I was 10. And I really like over-the-top gore. Uh, but when I'm trying to recommend Edgar Wright to people who are around my age, I always go with Scott Pilgrim. I rarely meet people who don't like Scott Pilgrim, although most people have been infected with this virus where discussing Scott Pilgrim is often reduced to like, well, Scott Pilgrim's actually a very bad guy. It's kind of like Fight Club in that regard. And lastly... So annoying! Yeah, yeah, dude! Lastly, I did not like Baby Driver that much. Also very personal reasons. I thought John Hamm is the villain in the third act. It just didn't vibe well with my tastes. So I was excited when I heard that he stalled making Baby Driver 2 to produce Soho. Back to you, Tanner. Uh, I just want to say this. Your thing about how Scott Pilgrim's like not a good guy. Wow. Fucking fantastic. What's next? Peter Parker is Spider-Man? Congratulations on analyzing the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Holy fucking shit. Great job. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim's a piece of shit. That's the fucking point. Mm-hmm. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. Rain, Conversi, please uh, let me know. What what do you think of Wright as a director? I want to keep it short because I feel like, I, mean, I don't know, what hasn't been said about the guy? He's like every like film nerd's favorite director, it seems like. I was about to say, I was about to have an argument with you, Austin, about him being the most underrated uh, until you specified financial. Because it is crazy like how like how much everything yes. he's made has bombed. Like Baby Driver did pretty decently from what I understand. But uh I will but I will say yeah, critically, I don't know. If you spend like five minutes on, <laughs> on Reddit, it seems like he's like on the pantheon of Reddit movie people gods and I don't know, I'm sound like I'm complaining. I like the guy. I just there's I don't know, he's he's his fans can be annoying. That might be what it is. I don't know. He's a cool guy, though. He seems like a real nice guy. It's just, I, it's hard to have anything bad to say about him. Uh, back to you, Tanner. It's interesting you bring up Wright being like, if you spend five seconds on Reddit, there is a list of directors that I, like, have to second-guess myself if they're actually any good because of how much Reddit jerks them off. It's him, Nolan, and Tarantino. And they're all really, 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 really great directors. Yep. But because Redditors like them, I have to second-guess yep. it. Reddit is a horrible hell site. Listen, Austin, look, search your feelings. You know it to be true. I don't know about <laughs> uh, that. Also, I noticed they've been obsessed with Michael Mann lately, which, good, Michael Mann rules. And my thoughts on Edgar Wright as a director is he's not my favorite director. My favorite director is Richard Linklater, and some of the directors I think I would like more than Edgar Wright is Ryan Coogler, Jim Cummings, Greta Gerwig, Guillermo del Toro, in terms of like, like modern working directors. But Edgar Wright is up there for me. He is by far one of my favorite directors. He's not the favorite, but he's definitely one of them. And for me, if you take out Scott Pilgrim versus the world, because that is in my top five ever for movies, for me, he kept getting better. So starting with Shaun of the Dead, it's a really great visual comedy, four stars. Hot Fuzz comes out. That's like a four and a half star movie. Like that movie's like even funnier and more inventive. And then, um... Scott Pilgrim vs. the World comes out and it blows my freaking mind. And it's as a 12 year old, it did things I didn't know movies could do, like be video gamey. And you have to understand, like I, I said last week, how I intended to be a video game designer at this stage of my life. Seeing a movie that was so video gamey like that, like really appealed to me. And because of that, I still love it dearly. And then uh, after that, The World's End, I think, is the best of the Cornello trilogy. And I don't even think it's that close. I think it's just far and away the best of that trilogy. And it's the most fun and inventive one for me. I have not had a drinking problem, but I have had many demons with alcohol. I'll actually get into that a bit later. And Baby Driver, holy shit, Baby Driver blew my 
fucking mind when I saw it in the theater. I got to see it like a month early than anyone else did. And all I would do was annoy everyone for that month. You have to see Baby Driver. You have to see Baby Driver. Oh my God, you idiots have to see Baby Driver. It's true. Tanner saw it. Um, um, he, he even saw it before Edgar Wright. Yeah, Edgar Wright. Edgar's like, who the hell is Tanner Richard Kraft? Why has he seen my movie before me? I think one of my favorite scenes in a film ever is the Tequila sequence with the, oh, uh, with the um, uh, the and and the gunshot so perfectly timed. That scene is so awesome for two reasons, because of that. And also it reminds me of the funniest karaoke video on the internet where a guy just stands there with a microphone for a solid minute and then just goes, tequila. (laughs) (laughs) The funniest fucking video ever, I swear to God. All right, so. Uh, now that we've just kind of discussed our thoughts on rights as a director, who I'm sure we'll be returning to, God willing, I will make sure we talk about Scott Pilgrim at some point, if nothing else. But what kind of expectations do we have going into this one? This was definitely most out of his comfort zone as a director. This is a horror movie when he's used to doing everything he's done is comedic on some level. Horror and comedy are two interesting genres because on one hand, you can kind of consider them opposites. But on the other hand, and this is more the train of thought I lean into, I think they're the two most similar genres mm-hmm. in, in the way that it builds up tension and then relieves tension. In horror, you do it with a scare. In comedy, you do it with a joke. So I think they're very similar in that regard. But it was still kind of interesting going in. So I just kind of want to know what expectations you had going into last night in Soho. Austin? I think some of the first shots that came out were shots of Thomas and McKenzie and the uh, excessive Halloween makeup sort of covering her face with her arm with the real wide eyes. And that made the movie look really, really cursed. Brief aside, there was a minute there where there existed this dilemma that I called the Impossible Friday. So back at the end of June, Dune got delayed by three weeks after its initial planned release date. And then this meant that last night in Soho, Dune and the French Dispatch were all getting released Friday, October 22nd. Don't forget, this was before Jackass Forever got delayed too. Yeah, it was the impossible (laughs) Friday. Fortunately, this ended up not being the case. Uh, Soho ended up coming out on the 29th in the States. My expectations from the trailers were basically like, Oh my God, Edgar Wright saw the Suspiria remake and went, yes, this is very clever to do drab colors and make it Nazi epic film in six acts. But what if we took the aesthetic from the old Suspiria and used it in my new feature since Luca Guadagnino isn't using it anyway. <laughs> the other things I was comparing it to besides Suspiria is a weird deep cut, but uh, one of the things I compared it to was the short film October 31st, 1998 from the very first VHS film produced by Radio Silence. Is like this really good short about some guys getting messed with by a bunch of ghosties in a house, and it was shot really well. And of course, that one scene from Roman Polanski's Repulsion with all the hands in the hallway. Edgar Wright's always been a crackerjack with genre films so it's like a dream of mine that great directors would take on a a horror film because you see a lot of scary movies by like up-and-comers who are trying to net the studio some quick cash so they can go make a marvel movie or like a period oscar drama film but it's something different when somebody who has an established name gets out the fake blood and tries to scare the hell out of you yeah that's all good points I, i drink fake blood so tim what kind of expectations did you have going in what? You, Tim, the guy watching this right now. I want to hear your thoughts. No, Tim, Tim M. Sullivan, what kind of expectations did you have going into Soho? So, um, yeah, I, I think my first, like, 
experience of just like seeing anything uh, involving this movie was just like the trailer getting shared in the group chat at one point because it was talked about as being a podcast and so I watched the trailer and like it, it looked interesting and I was like oh Edgar Wright's doing something different this that's neat it was definitely appealing to see the way that he lit the film and just uh, the, the style he was going for and uh, j- just to see like a legit horror movie that wasn't trying to be a comedy from this guy. Um, yeah, b- basically reiterating Austin's thoughts. Um, so yeah, back to you, Tanner. Oh yeah, so I knew I knew coming in that like he cannot make like an awful movie. Like no matter like how out of his comfort zone he's going to be, like I know there's going to be some level of baseline enjoyment. Uh, otherwise, I just came in with just a lot of curiosity, wondering, because, you know, based on the trailers and everything, this is, the, looks like there's going to be little to no, like, comedy in it. It's going to be like a straight drama, straight horror experience. So I wonder how is he going to uh, handle not being able to use comedy in his cinematic tool bag for this outing. So, yeah, curiosity and, oh, it can't be that bad. It is probably pretty good. <sighs> My expectations was I hoped it was good. What did you guys think about the movie, Rain? I You saw it with me. We saw it together. We we hugged the entire time. We were definitely terrified, and we embraced as friends, as platonic males, no homo. So, um, what did you think of the movie? Man, I am I am somewhat conflicted with this movie. I um, it's really only with the the third act where I feel like it's like a a joke that's trying to like touch on racism by using like a lot of uh, racially taboo uh, charged imagery or talking points. That's ultimately like, against racism, but like if you actually like really deeply analyze the joke, like on on its fundamental level, it's like oh, this is not a racist joke, but you know on a more but it's so rough around the edges with its ex- execution that it it's still pretty dicey. That's how I kind how I kind of feel about the third act, where it's like throughout the whole movie, it's tackling the issues of um of human trafficking and sexual abuse and whatnot, and I just feel like. I don't know, the whole imagery of, of us, where it's trying to, like, stage all the people that, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character murdered throughout this movie as, um, victims, almost. Like, ultimately, if you analyze it, I don't think they're, Edgar Wright's not trying to say, like, these people are victims that need saving. They're still monsters, I feel like, if Edgar Wright were to talk to us, but try and explain it, but I just feel like it's just kind of messy in its execution where it, it just, it feels like it's going against the themes with the, having us try to like I don't know, portray this, uh, like, you know, poor abused woman as a monster. I feel like it kind of works if you view it in a way where her killing and all that is sort of in of itself, like, just her being a victim of this horrible system that would allow her to be put in this circumstance in the first place. But it's still, again, it's just kind of messy. All that aside, how do I feel about the movie otherwise? It might be a little bit too... A little bit too polished and a bit too smooth for me, possibly, for me to have really been afraid for a lot of it. I don't know, just like, maybe it's a little bit too Edgar Wrighty for his own good, like, with it just being a bit too poppy and a bit too, uh, slick, arguably. Uh, I don't know how, I'm not too confident about that critique. I'm just, it was lingering in the back of my mind as I, uh, walked out of it. Because on the other hand, I do really, I don't know, there's like a certain energy to this movie that, that, um, we really get that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise if it wasn't made by Edgar Wright. I did, I did really enjoy it, especially, like, the first and second acts. I uh, was on the edge of my seat, for the most part, and really excited to see what's going to happen next. And even though it might have been a bit too clean, I did all the visual homages to, to Gallo and all that, or Jallo. Um, it was nice. Austin, what did you think about the movie? You know, my first time in the theater when I saw the beginning, I almost didn't know if I was going to like this film. Like, seeing Thomas and Mackenzie dance around in a newspaper dress to Peter and Gordon was just like... 
Well, it was really cutesy and mundane. Uh, but then I rewatched the movie this morning and it felt more like a classic opening to an old horror movie because her dancing around in her grandmother's house is the farthest place in the universe from where she's about to go. I think it's really nice. All the usual brilliant features are here. Special effects shots that look impossible. Dazzling period specific production designed by Edgar Wright regular Marcus Rowland. Uh, stunning costume works by uh, Oldie Dix Moreau, who recently did Chernobyl and has a crazy name. Groovy music where the lyrics talk about the subtext of what's going on. Bonkers cinematography from Chung Chung Hoon, the man who lends Old Boy back in 2003. What? <laughs> yeah, and a dazzling cast of some very old and very new stars directed by everyone's favorite, Edgar Wright. As a contemporary piece about, like, toxic masculinity and all the Weinstein bullshit that sort of haunted show business forever now, I think Edgar Wright and the 1917 screenwriter Kirstie Wilson Carins did a bang-up job. Thomas and Mackenzie is delightful as a Hepburn girl here. Like, you'll meet these types in real life. Dark-haired girls with, like, kind of funny voices who really want to be Holly Golightly. And that, that weird high-pitched voice of hers and that, like, timid demeanor, I think she really pulled it off. Anya Taylor-Joy plays an excellent, could-have-been-famous girl. Like, with this and The Queen's Gambit, it's kind of becoming a genre of movies where we watch Anya Taylor-Joy spiral into madness. And as somebody who hasn't seen much Doctor Who, Matt Smith looked good as a 60s pimp. That said, he's a bit of a silly ghost sometimes. Like, there's this scene where he pops out from behind a pole, and I'm like, how am I supposed to take this seriously? <laughs> Speaking about kind of the slickness of it being a detriment to it is horror. This is important. So I think his name is Michael Ajao. Michael Ajao is perfect in a difficult position. He has to be a non-toxic man in a movie where she's in the city of toxic men. He nails it, even though I've got to admit the screenwriters really put him in an impossible like position because he wouldn't be there past a certain scene. I saw this with my trans husband and a woman who's a family friend, and they both agree that anybody in John's position would have noped out after his first romantic encounter with Eloise. Oh, yeah, that whole thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what an absolute king that guy was. When Rain and I were walking out of the theater, uh, he, him and I uh, both agreed that this was one of the cutest on-screen couples we had seen in a while, and it's mostly because of him. Thank you. My boy Terrence Stamp is in this. My boy Terrence Stamp from The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. He rules. He's a beautiful, scary antagonist. I love Terrence Stamp. And lastly, Diana Reagan, her final performance is Eloise's landlord, Mrs. Collins. We'll be talking about her more shortly. To wrap up, Last Night in Soho is a dazzling experience crafted by a bunch of geniuses who are at the top of their game, like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead before it. It's a great example of what genre filmmaking can do when somebody's gleefully familiar with the ropes. It did not disappoint me in the slightest, even if at times the plot details are really unrealistic. Back to you. Tim, what did you think of Soho and Last Night? So last night in Soho, um, I, I watched a movie uh, called All Gone Wrong. I look out the window, all of a sudden it's England. <laughs> I just start crying. British people! <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll, I'll also say kind of the issues I have with it first, which is that, uh, kind of to Rain's point, I do think that it's definitely a first attempt at a more serious film, and it shows. After, like, the first two acts, I don't think it, the writing's quite as strong, and it doesn't feel fully fleshed out, but that that aside, I do think that overall, it was a movie that I enjoyed a lot. I think that it was very strong visually, 
and just very intense as a horror movie. Like after after that bedroom scene, I was very anxious pretty much throughout the whole rest of the movie. This is a guy whose uh, comfort movie is The Evil Dead. Um, <laughs> but uh, good, wa- watching just like all of this stuff that happens is just very nerve wracking, very anxious. So this movie did a great job of capturing a mood, I would say. Um, it's, it's definitely a very, very good movie in that regard. I read a couple of reviews talking about how it sort of has this message of talking about like the dangers of nostalgia, which I'll be honest, when I was watching it, I didn't get that. And I think it's because it's not her personal nostalgia. It's like her nostalgia of an era before her time, which that's definitely a thing. And like they they really hit the nail on the head with that um, by having it be like she's literally having nostalgia for another person's life. Yeah, that, that's definitely something that I've, I've seen a lot in pop culture. Like there, for the last like 15, 20 years, there's been this whole like 80s nostalgia thing. Go to any YouTube music video comment section and someone will be like, I was born in the wrong decade. Yeah, I was true. about to say that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's that's definitely a thing. And like, I I have a lot of '80s movies that I love, a lot of '80s music that I love. I just fucking bought tickets for Tears for Fears. I get it. I, I enjoyed it as a very like nerve wracking horror movie with some great visuals. Um, yeah, I don't think it's Edgar Wright's strongest, but he was trying something different. And uh, hopefully, if he does another horror movie, he'll kind of learn from this experience and make something even crazier good. Back to you, Tanner. Okay, uh, it's funny that you brought up how a lot of reviews bring up that nostalgia thing. Uh, the reason those reviews brought it up is that's what Edgar Wright said uh, when this screened at Venice. I think it was the Venice Film Festival in late August when this screened at a competition at that festival. He said that this movie was about nostalgia and the dangers of nostalgia. That was the theme that stuck out the most to me. I know a lot of people think it's uh, talking about toxic masculinity and everything. It's talking about that stuff for sure. But to me, the thing that stuck out the most in my mind was nostalgia. And I think it's because I have a tendency to be a kind of nostalgic person and um (laughs) this is oddly enough where my alcohol thing kind of gets involved here but um i think nostalgia is a lot like alcohol in small quantities it can be fun it can bring you good times and too large a quantities nostalgia like alcohol can be very addicting i i tap into this a lot in my letterbox reveal the movie where the movie was pretty personal for me because I've had demons with nostalgia with my past. Anyone who knows me knows that in late 2019, I went through a very uh, significantly hard moment in my life that has made me reflect on my past a lot. And uh, for the past two years, I've kind of viewed everything through this moment's lens. It felt like everything was being tied back to that moment in time. And in this movie, I I saw a lot of that. Uh, Eloise, the main character, is obsessed with the 60s from the beginning. It's like all she talks about. I saw, like, Audrey Hepburn posters in our room. If, if I went to a random 17-year-old on the street and I asked them, who's Audrey Hepburn? And they're like, oh, my God, I love her in Parks and Rec. You know, that's probably what they would say. <laughs> um, I, just, I saw a lot of myself in the main character in that regard. And I think the themes of nostalgia being fun but also dangerous was really quite powerful because at first when she's going through back in time, when she's midnight in Parising it, if you would, it's fun. It's exciting. Get to see the bright lights, private concerts, all this fun stuff. And that first night where she goes back, it's really fun and awesome, you know? But um, since then, or after that, you know, each subsequent trip seems to get a little darker, a little more horrible until it just completely spirals out of control. First drink, second drink, 
any addiction really, uh, it, it becomes less effective and more dangerous over time. I don't have a drug problem or an addiction problem or anything. Uh, I'm only addicted to sugar. I don't know. I'm addicted to the past in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of this movie was about how that can be a bad thing. It's okay to look back fondly on the past, but I, I think the phrase, don't be sad that it's over, smile because it happened, I think is kind of almost like, <laughs> it feels very weird considering the directions the third act goes in, but that felt like, <laughs> Rain, I see that fucking face. <laughs> Right, just like be very careful with your next words. I'm just imagining uh, footage of like of all the intense flashbacks going on uh, with that. Um, so anyway, um, um, the moral of the story is, is that a fucking oh, it's your cat. Yeah. <laughs> we watched a scary movie. It's natural. <laughs> Okay, I really, really love the movie. It's my 22nd favorite movie of the year, which seems so meaningless, but I've seen 101 movies this year. It's in the top tier. I gave it four and a half stars. I think all the performances are immaculate. I think the cinematography is gorgeous, and you explaining that it was shot by the old boy guy makes perfect sense. Um, Old Boy was one of my favorite movies of 2003. Yes, because that's the same year Memories of a Murderer came out. Holy shit, what a good year for South Korea. I just, I love the production design of this movie and the costume design of this movie. In a fair universe, this movie would definitely be up for those awards at the Oscars. But as it stands right now, I think it only really has a shot in costuming because Wes Anderson exists, so the Academy is going to jerk his movie off. Anyway, I really, really love the movie. And I, I think it was almost really fitting that after I watched the movie, I went, I go on a nighttime walk where I listen to music. And this was uh, my first time deciding to listen to my Discover Weekly on Spotify. And I listened to this song saying, if you see her, tell her I'm over it, which was a song about a guy who had a relationship go bad. And it has lyrics that say stuff like, you never really liked it when I got intoxicated. And if you stuck around another week or two, I swear we would have made it. And those two lyrics were like, very reminiscent of how I used to feel about this sad event in my life. When I listened to that song, I realized that I was just kind of like smiling at the fact that it wouldn't reminded me of instead of feeling sad about it, which was actually just me realizing I've actually moved on from my past relationship. Uh, so I think that also colored my feelings in Last Night of Soho of it being about nostalgia and this almost nostalgic based feeling I've had for a large portion of my life was gone. Um, I, I think that kind of like was what really tied it all together. So it was a very personal experience. I really like the movie. I think it's really good. Third best horror movie of the year. Let's go. I like The Night House and A Quiet Place Part 2 more. Sue me. But this one's really fucking good. So, Rain, you already kind of discussed your feelings about the twist. So do you think you have anything more you want to say or should I skip to someone else? Before you guys get onto a new topic, I will say that um, when it comes to the uh, topic of people having a problem with attaching their identity around a uh, misremembered past, I think the film does a better job at handling that uh, theme than it does the stuff with um, sexual abuse. I wanted to give Edgar that bone because I know he's like crying right now. He's like, oh, Rain <laughs> thought this movie was slightly less good than than these other people. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, continue. Uh, Tim, what, twist you what think that uh, Austin, what do you think of the twist? Okay, so this may lead Rain into talking, depending on what I say. Uh, one thing I meant to say was that this movie, when she slept in the room with the neon bistro sign, reminded me of the Seinfeld episode where Kramer's apartment has the chicken sign near it, and it's all covered in red, and, and Kramer's slowly going crazy. Uh, it reminded me of that. 
I personally didn't see the twist coming. I've heard some reviewers say that, and I'm like, what? I don't think it's entirely my fault. Like, there's this shot of Thomas and Mackenzie making eye contact with a slowly dying version of Anya Taylor-Joy, who's supposedly been stabbed in a bed. So I don't know how they saw it coming. Fuckers. Uh, I love how Ellie's final meeting with Terrence Stamp is set up like the usual final boss encounter, like with him acting all showy and saying murdery sounding things. But no, the screenwriters found a loophole where a character can talk like a violent psycho and not specifically have a criminal past. If they're a cop! Oh my god! Miss <laughs> <laughs> Collins actually being Sandy, who is alive and well and actually murdered her Johns and has taken over the building she used to live in, was an unexpected touch. I've been pondering what it means in the sort of Me Too subtext. Like, maybe it's about how some of the women who survived the trials back when everything was a sexism carnival had to do it in ways that they're ashamed of or that they have to keep a secret for other maybe legal reasons, and they're pretty adamant about keeping the story simple and hidden sometimes, instead of letting the new generation of women in on what they had to do just to survive. And uh, one thing that's uncanny is Diana Riggs, the actress, whom the film is uh, dedicated to, when she was actually younger, she was on some feminism shit. Like, she asked for this pay raise when she was on The Avengers, so she would make as much as the male cast did. And then everybody kind of turned against her. Then she did a, a Bond film so she could get big in America. And when she got over here, she did this NBC show named after her called Diana back in 1973 about a young woman who goes to the big city in New York from Britain to become a fashion designer, which I thought was strange, uncanny. I wonder if that was like part of the casting thing. And man, yeah, it was so, re what was so worth all this was when the surreal staircase pops up. Jesus Christ, that twist escalated so fast. Edgar Wright knows how to pull out a showstopper. Back to you. Do you guys hear anything? Uh, Tim, what, 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 what did you think about the twist? So, Austin, it's it's interesting that you say that uh, you didn't see the twist coming. So, like, literally right when that scene opened, I had this thought of, what if the landlady was the lady? And then I thought, no, that would be too easy. <laughs> and then they did the reveal, and I thought, motherfucker. <laughs> You mean when they're uh, they're about to sit down for tea, right? Because that's when it starts like yeah. occurring to you. But before that, I had no idea. At the beginning of that scene, like before that even like happened, uh, I, I had that thought, and then I thought to myself, "No, no, it's not that." Uh, but then it was. <laughs> She's been here too long. That would be a cheap shot. Yeah. <laughs> I assumed it wasn't the case because I, I put in in my like mental files as a as a possible twist like during the first act but then once she died supposedly died i was like right. okay no they never mind show her die um i completely discounted that or yeah, so you sorry, think. continue to some people uh, would consider this cheating i say it's fun um but yeah i mean overall it was just kind of like an oh uh moment i guess it was interesting i think um much like pretty much all of the third act. It didn't feel quite fleshed out enough, but uh, it, it, there was something there. It was interesting. <laughs> All right, so my thoughts on the third act twist was I think it was really great how they finally had her just murder that one mean girl. I think it was really great <laughs> that that one mean girl got murked. Oh, wait, no, that wasn't the twist. Uh, the twist was is that absolute king. That guy was like, hey, how about you don't stab her and still stays with her? Holy shit, what a king. Uh, that's the real twist in my heart. I don't know. 
I thought the twist was fun. I gasped in the theater. Rankin vouched for me. Didn't I literally gasp in the theater? I forgot. I don't know. <laughs> what am I paying for? <laughs> what am I paying you for? I don't have a good comeback. I'm sorry. You won the uh, that verbal exchange. Uh, I thought the third act twist was pretty fun. I, I, I mean, I didn't exactly see it coming, per se. I, I When I noticed that the letter was shown and I, and I saw it said Alexandra or whatever, I went, Oh. Clever. Also, uh, keen listeners will be aware that apparently shortly after she's introduced as a character, she's referred to as Sandy in some context. What's Sandy short for? Alexandra. Nah, stick with Sandy. Suits you. I haven't had a chance to rewatch the movie, but someone on a Reddit threads pointed that out. And a lot of people went, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, I noticed that too. So keen listeners could catch on super early if they're paying attention, which is so Edgar Wrighty. Just, I thought it was fun. I think Diane Riggs is really the key to it. She really sells it in that, in those final moments. Uh, I also remember thinking that this movie was almost going to become like a two star movie for me very briefly, because when all the men start being like, save us, save us, I went, I swear to God. Yeah. Like, I, I think Rankin vouched for this. I, I think I actually said, swear to God, like briefly under my breath. I do think <laughs> yeah. I remember that. I said, swear to God. I do God. remember that. Like, I was really upset. It skirts the line um, so hard of being an offensive fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, it was this close to being like, I, as yeah. a victim of sexual assault, I am deeply. I like how the Vic, the ghost people are handsy and shitty, even as ghosts. Like, all the John she kills yeah. are still very grab ass Yeah, that's a good point. That's a nice little touch. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> a, nice a nice little touch, detail. I, the moral of the story is, I've been saying the moral of the story a lot. I like the twist. It was cute. I also think uh, when I was scared that they were going to die and it cut the black and I went, no. No, 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 no. And then an EDM remix of some classic 60s song started playing. And I did the asshole thing and I said something out loud in the theater. But I think it's what the theater was collectively feeling. I turned to Rain and I said, I've never been more happy to hear a modern shitty dance remix of a classic song. Because <laughs> I wanted a happy ending. Mm, yeah. And I think we ultimately got a happy ending. Some people would think the final frame was an unhappy ending. I don't think that's what it was. I think that was just saying that the experiences with Sandy were going to live she was going to live with those and she was going to be in- informed by those. If anything, it was a very like great ending. I didn't get the classic, oh, the real monster isn't gone horror movie thing. Right. Which don't get me wrong. I get why horror movies do that a lot. I'm kind of sick of it. Yeah. I think if anything, it's cowardly mm-hmm. to not have a happy ending in your horror movie nowadays. I was going to be sick of because- it if she like taps the mirror and she's in an insane asylum and like a, a, a straight jacket in a padded room. I would have left. I would have left the theater if they did that. I would have just straight up walked out. I would have been pissed. Zero stars. <laughs> instead, she somehow instead she somehow Boom. managed to get away with almost stabbing a classmate. Jocasta sucks. Okay. Yeah, Jocasta was the worst. I think we all hated her. She's like from a completely different movie. Yeah, that was like the only re- the she only real like issue she- I had with the movie were, were those Mean Girls. That was so weird. She's like from like she's a, from Mean like Girls. One of those like oh, not not even that. I was going to say she's from like iCarly or Zoe 101 or something like one of those like just like kid sitcoms. Like she's the kid sitcom bully character. Angus Snobs and Perfect Snogging or whatever that movie's called. Sure. I remember. I it's a Nickelodeon about. movie from 2005. It has She's So Lovely on the soundtrack. Rem- I'm not crazy. I remember that episode of iCarly where the character says, I tried vaping. I just think it makes it like so much more of a cunt. And for that, they threw you out? <laughs> it's just classic iCarly. My mother's dead. <laughs> yeah, you've seen that episode of iCarly where like Carly just murks like 70 dudes. <laughs> <laughs> And then I accidentally stabbed the owner of this building. You see that episode of iCarly? 
where she's like, hey guys, what are our closing thoughts on Last Night in Soho? Hey, you guys seen that episode of iCarly where Carly's <laughs> yeah. like, hey guys, what's our closing thoughts on Last Night in Soho? Uh, we'll start with Rain. So yeah, ultimately, I feel like it's a movie that um, was an admirable effort. Uh, I say that like it, it failed. I think it mostly worked. Um, it stumbled a fair bit for me personally, but I mostly stick the landing. So I'm very excited to see um, Edgar Wright's next project. Yeah, I think it'd be neat if he tried another uh, straight horror movie. Um, just like see what um, how it would improve. And yeah. My pitch for you, Rain. Baby Driver 2 horror movie. Uh, it's just no. I like both those things. <laughs> I think we need to combine like them. them together. Tim, what, what thoughts are your Tim. finally on So Whole Last Night? Good. Let's go! Austin, bring us home. Hey! Austin, bring us home. You know, Last Night in Soho, to me, is a return to form for Edgar Wright. After Baby Driver's weird third act, I had to spend three years waiting for what turned out to be the opposite. It's a cool horror movie, and it's actually kind of scary with a nice twist and a good enough message. I really recommend people see it in the theater. It's quite an experience. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to have my boy back. That movie, This movie scared the shit out of me for, like, ten minutes after I saw it. It was good. Anyway, uh, uh, I really love Last Night in Soho. I think the themes of nostalgia were really interesting. Um, I, I think it really appealed to me. It, it helped me cope with things I didn't know I needed to cope with in a very, very weird roundabout way as I have murdered men. Uh, the moral of the story is, is this is a great movie about nostalgia and it's a great movie about moving on from the past and knowing that it's good in small doses. But you know what isn't good in small doses? Mm. And what I prefer in large doses? You! <laughs> The audience of this podcast. Thank you oh so very much for watching slash listening to this podcast. If you are listening on any of the uh, audio platforms we're on, thank you oh so very much for listening. Um, thank you oh so very much for listening. Please leave a review uh, so it boosts us in the algorithm, you see. Um, and if you're uh, watching this video on YouTube. Uh, thank you also very much for watching it. Uh, please go down in the comment section below. What do you think of Last Night in Soho? What do you think of Edgar Wright as a director? Have you murdered a man down in Reno or in Soho? Comment below. Let us know. While you're down there, hit the like button so uh, we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so you know how much we love us. Yeah, I'm not oh, shit. Alright, I'm not gonna hear whatever's about to happen. Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Leave me alone!